Let's get into today's word. John 17 verse 1 to 6 is our passage today. We're actually going to talk about prayer. Prayer is communication process that allows us to talk to God. Prayer can be informal or formal. It can be out aloud or softly spoken in your heart. It can be by yourself in self-isolation or it can be with a group of people. The form of prayer, how we pray can vary, but the purpose of prayer is simple. It's the way we communicate to God. John's gospel, as we've been in the last nearly two months now, has told us the life story of Jesus, the Son of God. The first 12 chapters, we saw Jesus' public ministry filled with numerous signs and miracles. And then we get to John 13, and we see that the scenery changes from public ministry to private ministry in the upper room, just with his disciples. And Jesus tells them, it's time. My time has come. Because Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen at the end of that evening. See, at the end of chapter, thir- uh, at the end of chapter um, 17, where we finish today, um, next week we're going to join Jesus and he's going to go uh, get arrested and he's going to go to the cross. But he spends his last few moments with his disciples, teaching them, loving them, assuring them. Last week we talked about the Advocate. the the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit would be with us as our advocate, as our comforter, and as our counsellor. But in these last moments that Jesus had with his disciples, he chooses to do something that is amazing. He chooses to pray. See, as I said, prayer is communicating with God, and that's exactly what Jesus does in his last moments before he goes and gets arrested. And tonight, we want to look at chapter 17, which is Jesus' prayer. And rather than looking at the method of prayer, we want to actually look at the content of Jesus' prayer. If you look at chapter 17, there's three parts to Jesus' prayer and three different people that he prays for. So part one, Jesus prays for himself. Verse 1 to 5, chapter 17. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus is about to enter into the hardest week of his human life. He's about to enter into horrendous physical pain, but also horrendous spiritual pain. And so naturally we see that his first prayer topic is himself. He starts with himself, but what's amazing is that he actually, as he prays for himself, uh, he's going to centralize this part of the prayer with this word glory. Now, 
Glory is a word that's quite hard to define because it's not necessarily a tangible thing like a tennis ball or a tennis racket. There are numerous definitions of glory. Great admiration, honor, and praise by doing something successful. Magnificence or great beauty. Brilliant, radiant beauty. And this is where we get the word glorious. And this is what Jesus prays for. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. In one sense, Jesus prays, God, honor me. God, recognize me in this time. But what's amazing is when he asks for that glory, he asks it so that he can shine it back to God. As much as it sounds like Jesus is asking for the glory himself, actually what Jesus is doing, he's asking for it so that he can shine it back to God himself. Verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. I have brought you praise and honor and great beauty by doing what you asked. Now let me share in that beauty, let me share in that glory that I had with you from the beginning of time. Jesus requests for glory was that he could shine it back to God the Father. And that's the first part of his prayer. The second part is Jesus prays for his disciples. The second part of his prayer, Jesus specifically prays for his disciples, and we assume that he's going to pray these disciples are the 12 that he was with. Now, these disciples dropped everything that they had, their families, their work, their livelihood, they dropped everything and followed Jesus for three years, day and night. They watched him do miracles. They, they watched him walk on water. They, they watched him feed the thousand. They watched him heal. And in those three years, personal, intimate relationship was built between each disciple and Jesus. So as I read out Jesus' prayer for his disciples, use that as the context Hear that personal relationship as Jesus prays for them. Hear that personal intimacy that he has with them. Verse 6. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be as one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. 
My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus recognizes that when he is gone, these disciples will be left. And the key word that we pick up in this prayer for his disciples is the word protection. So when Jesus prayed for himself, he prayed for glory. But when he prays for his disciples, he prays for protection. Verse 11, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. What's interesting about this prayer and what's interesting about what Jesus says is that he knows, he acknowledges that there will be trouble for his disciples, that they will face difficulties, but he doesn't pray, God, take away the troubles. Jesus doesn't pray, God, take away all the hardships in the lives of my disciples, but he prays for protection. He doesn't pray that the enemy would be defeated. Or the enemy would suddenly disappear. But he prays for protection. Protect them from who? The evil one. And how? By the power of your name. The reality of this world is that we live in a fallen place filled with evil. And the evil is led by the evil one. Known as Satan or the devil. Now, Please don't be naive. Please don't be naive and think that the devil does not exist. And I'm not trying to scare you in any way. But please don't think that the the devil is just some kind of fairy tale story to scare kids at night. The devil is real because the Bible says that it is real. And his job is to try to destroy you and keep you from God. And that's as real as your five fingers and your five toes. It was real enough for Jesus to pray for protection from the evil one, the protection that would not come in the form of fire and brimstone or some kind of spiritual magic, but the protection would come from the most powerful name, and that name being Jesus Christ. Jesus says, protect them. Protect them with the name that you gave me, the name above all names. Jesus does not pray that the troubles would just magically disappear and suddenly life would be easier. But he prays that while they are in the fight, while they are in the world, that God will protect them. There's something that we need to really understand. Finally, Jesus prays for his believers. The last part of Jesus' prayer is for those who would come to believe him one day. Now, if we remember what the theme of John was, John is telling this story about Jesus, not to give you a a biography of Jesus, but it was to help people see Jesus, for people to believe in Jesus, and for them to be saved and receive eternal life. And Jesus takes this moment, this final moment with his disciples to pray for those who would believe in him. That includes you and me. Verse 20 to 26. 
My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Once again, Jesus not just prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for those that would believe in him through the message that the disciples take out. Now, when he prays for the believers, he doesn't pray for passion. He doesn't pray for generosity. He doesn't even pray for miracles and signs. But Jesus prays for unity. Verse 21, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you. Verse 22, 23, I have given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Jesus prays for oneness, for unity. Just like the Father and he were one. In the verse 23, when they are united, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It's in this oneness, it's in this unity that the world get to see Jesus and that we get to know that God loves us in this unity. Jesus in his final moments with his disciples, he chooses to pray. He prays that he would be glorified so that he could shine the glory back to God. Jesus directs the glory, honor, and praise back to the Father. He prays for his disciples, not that they would live in a spiritual bubble and away from the world, but he prays that as they are right in the world, in the dark places, ministering to real people, that, Jesus, that, that God will protect them through the power of the name of Jesus. And finally, Jesus prays for all believers that they would be one, that they would be united so that the world would see Jesus and that we would know that we are loved by God. Glory, protection, and unity. Now let me ask you, wherever you are watching this, I'm thinking if you're still in your pyjamas, it's like 6 p.m. <laughs> Maybe you've gotten back into your pyjamas. What are you praying for right now? What does your prayer life sound like right now? In this crazy time, what do your prayers sound like? 
I think ironically for many of us, our prayers sound quite opposite to the prayer of Jesus. Our prayers are selfish. We want God to just make all these bad things just disappear. And instead of being united and being one with other believers, we just want to be taken care of by ourselves. Jesus prayed in his greatest time of need and gives us an example to follow. To shine and focus the glory back to God. To pray for strength and protection to fight in the situations that we're in, not just that the situation would disappear. To be united with other believers, to be one with them. And this is what Jesus did different. This is how he prayed. And I believe Jesus is setting us that example once again. See, the world says it's all about you. But Jesus says, no, it's, it's all about God. Even right now, even right now, even in this crazy situation that we're all in at the moment, you know, we're so, we wake up and, and for the many of us, it's about what am I going to do today? What, what, how am I going to get through today? How am I going to go to work? How am I going to buy food? How am I going to financially be stable? And I think Jesus is challenging us don't ask that question. Ask, what, what are you going to do for God today? How is God going to be glorified today? How is God going to be glorified in your life today? I think that's something that we need to be challenged with. Secondly, the world tells us, hey, it, let's just write off 2020. You know, let's just run away from it all. You know, you're having a bad time. Let's just, let's just forget about it. Run and hide. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to pray for protection because I want you to be in the front line. You know, there's nowhere in Scripture that Jesus says, you know, run when it gets hard. You know, Jesus is challenging us to fight the fight that is in front of us. And no matter what's going on in your life. Now, for some of you, you're going through some health issues. You know, the, the prayer, of course, the prayer that you want to pray is, Lord, just make this thing disappear. And maybe for not even healthy, for many of us, that's our prayer, right? God, just, just make this coronavirus disappear. But as Jesus prayed for his disciples, I believe we need to be praying too. Lord, it's not, Lord, make this coronavirus disappear. It's, Lord, how can I glorify you today? And Lord, how can I fight for you today? Lord, protect me as I fight for you. No matter what situation I'm in, help me to fight for you. And finally, when, when the world says, look after yourself, look after your own needs, your own family, Jesus says, be united. Be united with your brothers and sisters. One of the most encouraging things in times of crisis, is when the body of Christ, every church is part of the body of Christ. It's when we're in times of crisis that the church come together and they are united, not in running away, but in fighting together this fight. You know, like 
a lot of people don't know how much work goes into creating uh, a stream like this. But, you know, we've had so much advice. Um, we've had so many other pastors reach out to us during this time. And, you know, they're doing it tough in their congregations too. And they're reaching out to us and they're asking, hey, is there anything that we can help the Chapel Sydney? That is what Jesus is praying for. Unity and oneness. See, if we go the other way of what the world says, what do we need to survive as a church? What do we need to do to, you know, make the best of our own situation? I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think Jesus is saying, you need to learn to be united with other churches right now. Even, even when the world is like, you need to self-isolate, we need to be connecting with other churches and other believers right now because everyone's hurting. Everyone's doing it tough. It doesn't matter how big your church is. It doesn't matter how little your church is. It doesn't matter how, how you know, where your church is situated, how long your church has been alive. Everyone is in the same boat together. And if Jesus says, we're going to have to stick around and fight this out, then we're going to do this together. I've had the privilege of reaching out to some other pastors as well. And we're, we're lucky in a sense that we have some really gifted and talented people in our church that have put, put this live stream together. And, and they don't know this, but I've offered all of their services to all these other churches that need help. It's like I've just like leased them out. <laughs> you know why? Because if one church shuts down, then that should affect every single one of our churches. We all need to survive this together. And I want to put this out there, and, and you might know someone, you might know another church, or you might know another pastor that, that needs help. If we can help you, we want to help you. Because we're one family. You know, you, you, I don't know how we'd help you. But if you're in need, even if you're not in our church, even if you're the pastor of a church down the road, if we can help you, we want to help you because this is what Jesus prays for us to do, to be united. From a non-believer's perspective, when the church unites in times of crisis, this is how they know that we are different from the world. Friends, what we deal with in our lives at the moment is one of the greatest threats to humankind that we've, ex we've never experienced in our lives. No one has experienced this kind of living ever. No one, you know, you go back into your life and you think about the world that you used to live in, how different the world is today. But this is where we get to make some choices this is where you get to make some very real choices and you get to actually work out who you really follow and who you really worship. You, work, you get to really work out who your God is in this time. In this time of crisis, who is it that you turn to? Is it yourself? Are you trusting in yourself to get through this? Or maybe you're trusting in the government or maybe you're trusting in your bank balance. 
But we as a church, we as believers, we get to make a choice, and it either reflects God or reflects the world. And it all starts with what we pray for. It all starts with what you pray for. So be intentional about what you pray for. The glory of God. To ask for protection and not absence of chaos. To pray for unity. To pray for other churches and other believers. Let's not just lift up what they call Hail Mary prayers. God, if you do exist, if you do hear me, no, 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 no. We believe that God is real and we believe that God hears our prayers. But the language of our prayers and the content of our prayers really show us what we believe about God. And just like Jesus prayed for glory to be, to be used to glorify God, for protection and for unity, let's also pray. Let's pray that we align our hearts to God's and not the world's so that we would be unified with each other, that we would be protected in the fight and that we would receive the glory so that we can shine back the glory back to God. Let's pray.